0: Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show. On the mark, I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe. While are he's calling he, me.
1: Yep, while he says he may be old, he's still able to do some things. Did you get the HVAC fixed? I did. I set it to heat. He had it on sub zero cool in here, so he's trying to freeze us out. So we switched it to fall mode. Yeah, these are those interim months where it's always hard to figure out where to put your thermostats and things like that. Well, on the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out. SunburyMotors.com. Toll free line is open. Call us 1 800 795 9565 as soon as we are done talking to our guests. Uh, we won't have open phones during that segment, through most of the segment, but uh, we uh, might open them up later. We'll see what she says about that idea. You can text us at 70236 and include the keyword OTM for Text Connect members. Just reply to a previous message or text us at 70236 and always include the keyword OTM. I'm so glad to say we have a new guest on board. Her name is uh, Professor Allison Higgins Merrill. She's an assistant professor of political science at Susquehanna uh, University and has been uh, spending a lot of her life making sure that she monitors sort of the courts at the federal level and the interaction of courts. You monitor anything that could qualify as courts internationally as well?
2: No, I solely focus on the United States Supreme Court.
1: Okay, fantastic. Okay. Okay. So you do that. Okay. So uh, let's uh, dig in here. Let's start out here. We have a court that is political. Is that right that a court is supposed to be political or is it political? Right.
2: I mean, why wouldn't a court be political? A court is an institution just like any other branch of government. Um, I think we have this false sense that when judges don their black robes, they become apolitical beings. but. They don't. They're just not elected at the federal level, right? They're appointed by a president, confirmed by the Senate. But that doesn't mean that they shed who they are when they walk on the bench. It just means that in addition to thinking about the law, because the law is what they are charged with interpreting, um, there are other considerations at play. And those are, you know, they're the environment in which they operate. They don't operate in a vacuum. So believing that they are apolitical beings is, I think, deluding yourself that they're a person.
1: Doesn't that reduce confidence then? That I know that okay, I, you know, I, I have a case going in front of a judge, but the judge is a political animal. He's a Republican. He's going. I'm a liberal, so I'm in deep trouble. Doesn't that erode confidence in the courts? Or are you just pointing out something that's happening? That's just plain the way it is.
2: I don't think it it erodes confidence or trust um, in the court at all. In fact, I think you want judges and Supreme Court justices who are aware of the political environment. You don't want people that are out of tune with what's happening because the decisions that they're making affect everyone and they affect policy decisions down the line. Um, But I think all judges are really, really cognizant of the fact that they are charged with interpreting the law, and the law comes first. The law is just not the only thing that affects their decisions. There have
3: been a lot of comments and questions about changing the makeup of the court over the years, yeah. particularly in this current administration. You know, they are appointed for life. Should that be? Should there be term limits for, for um, Supreme Court justices, or should they continue to serve for life? As long as they're healthy, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, um, Alexander Hamilton in Federalist 78, when they were trying to ratify the Constitution, said that our, our judges should serve for good behavior and that's the text that made it into article three of the Constitution it's now it's been interpreted to mean that they serve for life um, but they can be removed by impeachment it's difficult to do just like it's difficult to impeach a president but it's possible and if we're gonna have term limits for the Supreme Court why shouldn't we have term limits for Congress what do
3: you think they should be ideally if if you were going to, if you were going to set the term limits for Supreme Court justices what should they be based on age like 75 and out the door or 70 or should they be like a term of like 10 years or
2: Um I'm honestly not the biggest fan of the idea of term limits for federal judges but um, there, there is some procedural history to suggest that if we were to implement a term limit or we were into, to implement a retirement age, we would kind of connect it to when they're eligible for their pension, um, which we saw in the federal judiciary Back in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, um, they raised the age for receiving your pension to 65 plus, I think it was 12 years of service. It might have been 15 years of service. Um, so there is some kind of history to suggest if we were to do anything, we could connect it to those. And so maybe at you know the age of 80, if you're still on the bench, maybe you step down and retire. But again, I'm not the biggest fan of those ideas.
1: All right, U.S. Supreme Court starting out another session, very timely conversation with you. Uh, what do you expect? A lot of big issues on the court's docket again this year.
2: Yeah, um, one of the things that I, I love about the court um, in recent years is that they're not shying away from big, hot topic issues potentially divisive issues. They are really diving in and and trying to grapple with these really complex constitutional and statutory questions that are are facing the country. Um, In particular, there are four really big cases that are grabbing a lot of national attention. and those are, you know, the LGBTQ plus discrimination case out of Colorado, which deals with um, website design for um, same-sex couples. There's another one that's looking at the independent state legislature theory case that comes out of North Carolina, and so whether or not. Um, state judges will no longer and state courts will no longer be able to review the redistricting maps um, that state legislatures draw after the census then there's the voting rights case that comes out of Alabama the Merrill versus Mulligan case um, and looking at whether or not redistricting the lines drawn by the Alabama State Legislature has disenfranchised certain types of voters, particularly minority voters. Um, And then there are two affirmative action cases, one out of Harvard and one out of the University of North Carolina, which the court decided to split so that Justice Jackson could participate in one of them. She was recently on Harvard's Board of of Overseers and so when she was confirmed to the court, they decided to split these two cases so she can at least participate in one of the affirmative action decisions. Um, And that's going to have really big implications for what our higher education landscape is going to look like. So these are four really big civil liberties issues, but there are also a lot of um, big administrative law, statutory based cases that are that are coming down the pipeline, too.
3: So what's likely to happen with these cases? Anything like a blockbuster decision? Anything that could substantially change the landscape, like overturning Roe v. Wade?
2: Um, it, I, I <laughs> think of kind them. of... Yeah, all of them. All um, of them. Okay. But I think... The one that is likely to kind of shake things up the most um, is are, are the affirmative action cases. Um, this court. Uh, in 2003 when they decided uh, Grutter versus Bollinger, you know they upheld the University of Michigan's affirmative action policy in some way. Um, they kind of, they you know, narrowly tailored what a Michigan was doing with, with their admissions procedures but they said race can still be used as a factor it just can't be the sole factor um, It's part of a holistic calculation. But in her opinion in that case Justice O'Connor said just something to the effect of, there will come a time in this country in the not so distant future where affirmative action is no longer necessary for higher education. And then um, in in 2016, when the court heard Fisher versus the University of Texas, which was challenging Texas's top 10 admissions program, or if you graduate in the top 10% of your class in the state of Texas, you're guaranteed admission to one of uh, the major Texas public universities. And it's 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 completely merit-based. So it's, it's race neutral. But if you do not qualify for that, you go into the general application pool where race can be used as a factor in admissions. And the court once again upheld that, but not super definitively. Um, so this the kind of the writing is on the wall that, that because the court took two of these cases, they're most likely going to strike affirmative action. If they upheld affirmative action, I think it would surprise a lot of people, um, and especially given the ideological composition of this court, um, there isn't the same support amongst the justices for affirmative action as there used to be.
1: Well, let me ask you a quick follow-up related to that. Is, is this the end of race being the decider of many, many things?
2: Well, um I would hope not, um, because when you know race is, is at play and race is being considered, you know the the justices use strict scrutiny, which is the highest level of review, and it has to show that there is a compelling governmental interest to discriminate or regulate on the basis of race, and that the government-based program is very narrowly tailored to those goals, and that's the only way race can pass. Anything that's race-based can pass constitutional muster. And it's a really, really high burden for the government to reach. And so that's why a lot of these cases tend to come down in favor of the individual um, who's being discriminated against. But um, there have been decisions in the past several years that have restricted the applicability of race-based criteria, and another one of those cases is going to be the Alabama redistricting case.
1: Well, yeah, and that's the one we talked about this right. where redistricting reversed what was a race favoring set of redistricting uh, borders or, you know congressional districts, but now there's just one black district there were two and of course you have a fight against that. What's your view of that case?
2: Um it's it's sticky. It's messy. Um, and Both
1: sides are, have merits, right?
2: They do. Um, there, there are ways to challenge us, for sure. Um, but when the court did not, in Shelby versus Holder in 2013, the court essentially gutted Section 4B of the Voting Rights Act, and they said it was no longer constitutional. And 4B of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was the one that said that you, know, you have to protect these... Voting districts um, to make sure that there are no unfair racial discrimination. Um, and when you do that, you also have to submit for pre clearance to the, the federal government. There were certain states that had to submit any anytime that they redrew their district bounds, they had to submit those drawings. Probation. Exactly. Basically, because basically, it, was, it was most of the former Confederacy where Jim Crow laws were running rampant. And so when the Supreme Court said that, you know, we no longer need to. There's no constitutional need to justify Section 4B to protect against racial discrimination and gerrymandering. That gut that essentially rendered Section 5 of the VRA, which is that pre-clearance requirement where you um, you submit your uh, redrawn district lines to the Justice Department, which is doesn't expire until 2030, but without Section 4B, Section 5 has absolutely no teeth. And in the 2020 term, the Supreme Court restricted challenges under Section 2 of the VRA, which was looking at race-based challenges as well. So they're essentially rendering these race-based challenges to the to voting kind of toothless. And so Merrill versus Mulligan is gonna be another kind of look at how you can apply Section Two of the VRA. And if they decide in favor of the state of Alabama, the VRA is basically meaningless at this point, which is a little troubling because we know from the court's procedural history that racial gerrymandering is not constitutional, but without the protections of the VRA, what? how do litigants then challenge this? That, that raises the question. So it's not just that they're going to eliminate the VRA because they're not, they're just going to make it difficult for litigants to challenge race-based gerrymandering.
1: In the future, they can show how they were damaged, but that'll be years from now. You know, that's one way. That's the way they did it in Pennsylvania
3: after we had, you know, significant gerrymandering. But the Joe, court, you have a question? Yeah, the, court, the court makeup has always been a, a question in terms yeah. of the way people view the court. If you're a liberal right now, you don't like the court. If you're a conservative, you got to say, gee, this is a pretty good group of people down there making these decisions. So the makeup of the court is entirely a political process, you know, so you get a political outcome. Should the president have the right to pick? A okay, candidate for the Supreme Court who follows what he or she believes? You know, isn't that the way things go? And so if you, they always say elections have consequences. If you don't like the Supreme Court, don't pack it. Change the way you vote.
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, th- these are constitutional procedures. The president nominates Biden with the advice and consent of the Senate, all federal judges. Um, so so yeah.
3: is it wrong to have an imbalance? In no. other words, is there some inherent obligation on the part of the, you know, the, the liberals are now saying, oh, we need to have a balanced court. This is an illegitimate court. How do we balance it? We would say three liberals, three conservatives, and then we try and f- find someone off the street who might be a, a neutral <laughs> balance. A libertarian. A libertarian, right.
2: I mean, I think when you start having, like, quote-unquote specific seats, that's when you start running into trouble. Um, I mean, there have been times that this court has has. You know, skewed more heavily liberal. There have been times where it skewed more heavily conservative. Like This is not the first time in our history that we have had a majority conservative court. Um, it's not the last time in our history we will have a majority conservative court. Um, but I, I don't think there's any obligation to necessarily ideologically balance the court. You want the best people for the job and if seven of them are Republicans and one of them is a moderate and uh, one of them is, is a incredible liberal, that's fine. If they're all equally balanced, great. If it's an even split, fine. But I don't think that we're under any ideological obligation to balance the court or Congress because we don't have ideological balance in Congress. Um, I just think you want the best people for the job and sometimes they're going to be those that you ideologically agree with, and sometimes they're going to be those you ideologically disagree with.
3: Well, President Biden in appointing Ketanji, Jack- Ketanji Jackson said he was going to find a black woman for the Supreme Court. Now, doesn't that put a sticker on her back that says, I may not be the best candidate, but I'm the best black female candidate?
2: Ronald Reagan said he was going to appoint the first female justice to the Supreme Court, and he appointed Sandra Day O'Connor. Yeah, but
3: that's, yeah that's kind of a wide pool compared to saying a person of color, I'm going to find a Native American uh, male for the Supreme Court. In other Words I think we should always look for the best candidate out there. Not not put a sticker in their back and say you're the best qualified black female candidate. You're the best Hispanic candidate, or am I wrong on that?
2: I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I also don't think you're necessarily right.
3: Well, that's going right down the middle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Abs- I mean, just because you want to put a certain type of individual on the court does not mean they're not qualified. Ketanji Brown Jackson is one of the most eminently qualified jurists in this country, and that's why she ended up on the Supreme Court. So is mean, Amy Coney Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett is incredibly well qualified as well. And when you listen to both of their um, testimonies before the, the Senate Judiciary Committee, they both... L- care about the law, they think about the law deeply, they were able to tackle really tough questions eloquently and competently, and listening to both of them before the, the Senate Judiciary Committee was really exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm the nerd who loves listening to Senate Judiciary <laughs> Confirmation hearings, um, but but watching, I think I've watched every single one for the Supreme Court since the um, at the very least you don't look that old (laughs) um, (laughs) at the very least excuse me when they were confirming um, Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Alito so that would be 2005 but I have memories of watching them with my parents from a younger age Um, but listen these are all incredibly intelligent people and just because Thurgood Marshall was the first African American justice on the court and just because Clarence Thomas was appointed to replace him doesn't mean that that's the quote unquote black seat.
3: but what about their religious views because Amy Coney Barrett was really pilloried for her Catholic beliefs.
2: Um, again, justices do not shed who they are as an individual when they when they step on that bench, and it's the diversity of those viewpoints that um, really actually strengthens the decision making that they have. I mean, honestly, this is one of the most ideologically. Diverse courts that we've had in a very, very long time—you know, religiously, um, educational backgrounds, uh, where they grew up. Like this is a really diverse court, and those experiences matter. We want those people that have those varying viewpoints because it enriches the conversations that they have with one another. And there's nothing that says that you know just because you're a Catholic doesn't mean that you can't be an effective lawmaker. You know, and and I think President Biden when he was campaigning. Um, for president he was asked you know that very question you are you're a catholic how can you be expected to be impartial when it comes to abortion and you know he, he, he said something to the effect of personally I yes I am a catholic and my religion does not support abortion politically I do because my, my religion does not influence my politics. And if we can trust that for our elected officials, why can't we trust that for our judges?
1: All right. Uh, we are enjoying a fabulous conversation uh, with a professor from Susquehanna University in political science. Allison Higgins Merrill is here. If you would like to ask her a question, feel free to email us at onthemark at and you can text us at
4: 70236.
3: We're pleased to have with us uh, Dr. Allison Higgins Merrill, an Associate prof- Assistant Professor of Political Science at Susquehanna University. Her specialty is the Supreme Court. Now we've had an unprecedented leak of, a, of, a, of an opinion by Justice Alito on Roe versus Wade before the decision was actually announced. What has, I mean there's been nothing since then about who they may have found or they actually do they actually want to find out who did this?
2: I think that they do. I think that the Chief Justice in particular is taking this to heart. Um, Chief Justice Roberts cares about his institution as an institution. He cares about the integrity of the institution and he cares about protecting his colleagues. Um, And this undermines all the work that they do. I mean, yes, most of the work that they do is behind closed doors. And I understand why people have issues with that um, because you you see them in oral argument and then you see them when they announce the decision and nothing in between. But that is... What the, what the court does it's how they make these really sensitive, complicated decisions and so I think all of them want to want to know what happened and get to get to the bottom of it and the chief has announced that an investigation is well underway and they will get to the bottom of this um, and that'll be disclosed when that happens. Oh, uh, Will it
3: be disclosed? I didn't. I wasn't certain it would be. Uh, well,
2: they they might not disclose it to the public but they will disclose it to the relevant government officials who that who will then decide what to do with it. Um, but the, the Supreme Court is under no obligation to necessarily disclose this to the public. But I think that given the ramifications of this, that they might, because again, the chief cares very much about the institutional legitimacy of his court.
1: Was a law broken?
2: Norms were broken.
1: Norms. (laughs) Norms were broken. But can you go? Can you get six to twenty for norm breaking? (laughs) I don't think so. Five to (laughs) ten. All right. Um, And what about packing the court? You mentioned it in passing a little while ago. Uh, What about that idea? What's your view on that? uh, The concept that we that uh, you know President Biden might want to uh, put three more liberals on the court, or one, two, or three more liberals on the court. Although it would make it almost impossible to overcome in the decades ahead if he had. six conservatives on the court, you know, you'd know, you have to pack it with the, your view on that whole thing.
2: I don't like the idea of packing the court. Um, I remember learning about it um, in, in you know, civics and in government and history when I was younger, and I was just like, this is FDR throwing a temper tantrum, which is exactly what it was. Yep. Um, and I think it's silly. Um, I, I you know, If you add more justices to the court, you're just going to add more, more bickering, more infighting. It's going to be harder to reach consensus it's going to be harder to reach decisions um, you know the, in our history we've had anywhere from four to ten justices um, we've been fixed on the number nine since the 1860s um, and I, I think packing it because you're unhappy with the decisions is silly um, I don't think it's going to change anything it's just going to be more voices to add to the mix and more ways to, to politically infight about constitutional issues amongst the other branches of government and um, Now, there is more public support for it now than there has been in a very, very long time. But I don't think there's enough public support to actually go through with it. I think they just like talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the
1: president's not talking about it.
2: No. So President Biden is... And Vice President Harris, they're, they're both very much institutional purists, and they understand that when you add more voices to the mix, it just becomes more difficult, and it's, that it's not going to solve the problem. Now, they're more than happy to to get information and see what scholars, what um, lawyers, what judges, what the public thinks, and, and understand kind of if there is really a need for this. And they will absolutely do their due diligence in trying to understand if this is what is best for the country, but. Again, I don't think either one of them really does support the idea whole hog.
3: What about the idea here in Pennsylvania? We elect our supreme question. court. Uh, last question: We elect our supreme court justices. As a reform goes, would electing supreme court justices, the United States Supreme Court, be something worth considering?
2: Absolutely not. We want an independent judiciary at the federal level, and um, having them be elected. I mean, there, there's research in state courts that shows that. You know, elections kind of decrease um, the independence of courts and and, um, and the, the bonus is that it keeps them a little bit more beholden to, to the electorate but is that really what you want and do you want them connected to, to a party label and a party line um, and even nonpartisan elections usually aren't super successful at divorcing that mm-hmm. um, so we, we want and we have an independent judiciary and I think putting elections in there is just going to complicate matters and if people are, are arguing that it's the court is too political now. If we had elected judges, ju- justices, it would be vastly more political.
1: Amen. One of our listeners sends a note, says, What do you think of the Trump judge that's involved in the government papers, C.S.A.? I'm not sure what C.S.A. is, but Maybe that's the s- case. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. The government case. Sure.
2: Um, well, Trump appointed a lot of judges to the to the federal judiciary. He had to. There were a lot of vacancies, and there is absolutely nothing um, in you know how our federal courts are administered saying that judges have to recuse themselves just because they deal with the, the party of the appointing the president who appointed them. Um, and you know, there well throughout our entire history, we have had presidents who are being having their actions reviewed by judges who they appointed. And again, that's it's the idea of the independent judiciary that just because you appointed them doesn't mean that they're not. Necessarily going to decide in your favor. They might. They also might not.
1: Right. You're not going to be any comfort to any of my friends who are lamenting the conservative court.
3: I'm not. I'm celebrating it.
1: You are. You. Are, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my
2: Thank pleasure. You. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Really, really appreciated talking to an assistant professor of political science from Susquehanna University, Allison Higgins Merrill. Please come back and visit again. I think it would be very enlightening. You're listening to, to News Radio 1070 WKOK, Sunbury, WKOK News. Time it night. Nine-
0: News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On The Mark, I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr.
1: Joe is here. Joe, just stay silent if you think I'm always right. See, I told you. He thinks I'm always right. So fantastic. It's about time. On the market, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line now open. Lynn Hall just uh, eager and waiting to answer your call. Toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark www.kokid.com or text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Uh, Joe, I just asked you, if you think I'm always right, just stay silent and
3: use stayed silent. So you no, I, I didn't hear you ask that because oh, I wasn't funny. in the room. Oh, uh, okay. Now you've, you've, you've pulled back the curtain. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry that you had to had to resort to that kind <laughs> of a cheap trick to get a compliment out of me. <laughs> hey, cheap trick, great band. I love them.
1: Okay. 70236, uh, include the keyword OTM. If you want to send us some text, we have some left over from yesterday, so we'll read those on the air. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com and text us at, uh, I mentioned that, one uh, 800 Nine five six five is our telephone number and our show sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Had a great professor, Merrill, here from Susquehanna University talking about the court, uh, saying you basically just have to enjoy the political lean of the courts back and forth. I didn't get a chance to ask her about Roe v. Wade, but we'll have to do that. But again, that's just the court uh, doing their absolutely fabulously best, best work uh, trying to decide whether something uh, should be uh, overturned or upheld or uh, Roe v. Wade, many scholars had argued it shouldn't have been there in the first place. So uh, we really appreciate her insights and we'll get her back and we'll get her back in a period when we have open phones too. So uh, we can get some questions going back and forth, but just a super guest. So uh, we appreciate her coming in. Let's do some very brief news headlines here. Overall, weekly COVID 19 statewide cases went back up slightly this week, including another spike in the valley, this time in Union County. State Department of Health said Wednesday, a total of 13,000 new statewide cases were reported over the last seven days. That's up slightly. In our area, there were over 300 cases, 110 of those were in Northumberland County. That's fairly normal. But 138 in Union County, and that's considerably more than previous weeks in one week, and 29 new cases in Snyder County and 31 new cases in Montour County. Also in the Health Department's Wednesday update, they said there was one new death In our area, this was a Northumberland County resident died from complications associated with COVID-19. And in hospitalizations, Geisinger, EVAN, and Shemokin Hospital say their uh, number of COVID-19 patients uh, up or down very slightly, just slight variations in those numbers. Well, in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be in the window for it to snow around here. And our correspondent, Mark Sims, says PennDOT's getting ready, but they have an unmet need.
5: PennDOT has a $212 million budget for winter operations and more than 636,000 tons of salt stockpiled across the state. Deputy Secretary Mike Kaiser says PennDOT is also seeking nearly 700 temporary equipment operators for the winter season.
3: I encourage anyone interested in these opportunities to visit employment.pa.gov. Those who join our team as equipment operators will see what we all
4: know, that winter is a a huge responsibility."
5: The Turnpike Commission says it will be prepared for winter storms with over 400 licensed equipment operators on the toll road. Mark Sims News Radio 1070 WKOK
1: Trib Live reporting today Democratic US Senate candidate John Fetterman Wednesday addressed the criticism he's received for using closed captioning during interviews since he suffered a stroke in May during a Facebook Live interview with editorial board members from Penn Live Fetterman says he's always been upfront about needing the closed captioning says he still has auditory processing issues I meaning when you ask him something verbally uh, by the time it gets to his brain he doesn't need hear it quite uh, ideally. Uh, He says, quote, I've always been very honest about this, saying I need captioning. Unquote. Controversy ensued after an NBC reporter, Dasha Burns, questioned Fetterman's ability to understand her prior to their interview with closed captioning. She said that during the small talk with Fetterman without captioning, it did seem as though he had a hard time understanding our conversation. The Trib Review found 10 published stories, including ones from Pittsburgh Publications and national outlets that mentioned Fetterman and informing reporters that he needed the closed captioning. Of course, his debate is on October 25th, and he has agreed, or well, he has uh, asked for, and Dr. Mamet Oz has agreed to closed captioning. Some have criticized the framing of the MSNBC interview as ableist, including Philadelphia physician Zeke Taylor, who tweeted that people with disabilities shouldn't be defined <laughs> by their disability. Taylor is part of a group of doctors who are supporting Fetterman and have been critical of Oz's medical history on
3: his date television show you know it's what's amazing here is that dr oz has been willing to accommodate him but yet he even though with his has a closed caption he won't do more than one and he won't do more than an hour oh, it, doesn't, it, uh, it doesn't who who asked for it didn't get more than an hour when well, Dr. Oz asked that, since he was going to use closed captioning, there would be a delay between the time that he was asked a question and he could respond to it. Vetterman, mm-hmm. that they'd like he'd like to do ninety minutes just so uh, that okay. you know they could have more questions. You know, on the other hand, Dr. Oz didn't sit down, or uh, Oz and Mastriano have not sat down with the editorial boards of of uh, Pen Live, or I guess some other papers, in order well, to just, seek their endorsements. Uh, Dr. Oz has done not done Pen Live yet. Not yet. Will he? I understand that he will, but I'm, he hasn't done that, and they point out in their story this morning that he hasn't. And Mastriano, of course, won't talk to anybody except far left people. <laughs> well, that's another topic altogether. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, um, well, and uh, John Fetterman. I
1: listened to the whole pen live interview. He did okay most of the time, but he does mash up words. There's no argument about no. that. You have to you have to listen carefully, and you have to know what he wants to say for, in order for you to figure out what he's saying. Sometimes because okay. he reverses words and and does
3: things like that. But can. it's very difficult to do that in in the world's greatest deliberative body, where standing up and making speeches is part of what you do. It would be very difficult for him to compete in that. And of course now. President Biden stuck his foot in his mouth again yesterday with another of his lies. And there's a fantastic story, and again, it's on Fox News this morning, about President Biden's lying, constantly lying and exaggerating and <laughs> and be, not being called out on it by the media. Yesterday, he claimed his son, Beau, lost his life in Iraq. Oh, well, that's a shame. <laughs> he didn't. He died of disease here in this country. All right. So, I mean, he, he makes up well, these stories all the time. He's demented, correct? Well, he certainly has a problem identifying the truth. So he's misremembering. I don't think he's deliberately lying. He's probably misremembering what happened. How could you misremember how your son died? I think you'd, that would be etched in well, your mind. Well, if you're
1: declining, your brain is
3: disappearing slowly. You're uh, Break well, out the 25th yes, Amendment? Is that what you're saying? You wouldn't bother me. <laughs> oldest memories are the ones to go last, correct? I don't know. I've never been faced with that dilemma.
1: Okay. Have you? Well, anyway, so Biden misspoke yesterday, but you say he has big, fat, deliberative lies. Well, so no, but if, when President Trump
3: that... said something that wasn't true, it was an absolute lie. And the media has been covering up for Biden, calling them all sorts of different things, but not lies. So why is it a lie when President... <laughs> uh, when well, President... President Biden lies as a, lobby, lies as a hobby,
1: but uh, President Trump, it was no, it was, it a, was a lifestyle. <laughs> so as uh, Unfortunately, Chris Unfortunately, there's would... some truth to that. <laughs> or Chris Carney would uh, easily say. Uh, one of our good listeners sends us an email with the subject, bo uh, Go ahead here. Says, re- uh, oh,
3: all right. So here. did Bo Biden die in a hospital here or in theater in Iraq? Stated yesterday. Brandon is spinning yarns again. Seems every day. It's not okay. <laughs> Says our listener. Good. Thank you. All right. Well, and then he claimed six, he, he claimed, Biden claimed he was raised in the Hispanic section. <laughs> right. We talked about that <laughs> right. the other day.
1: Misspoke. Well, he said Delaware is largely Hispanic or because he was raised in Delaware. Of course, he also was raised in Scranton, so it depends on whether he needs Hispanics or working class people. And uh, that, right, whoever where he's he was trying raised. to
3: appeal to at the moment, that's who he,
1: All right, who he brings anyway. up. Alright, 1-800-795-9565. One of our good listeners sends us a correction. Uh, probably didn't take him long to realize. Uh, yesterday we said that uh, John Hines died uh, uh, right around 2000 or something, and then uh, that the governor was obligated to appoint a Republican to replace him. That's a big fat lie.
3: And I said that. And in fact, Joe, what's it say? He was appointed, uh, replaced by Harris Wofford, who lasted only that part of a term. (coughs) Uh, He lost, well, he he won the initial special election though, right? Um, Harris Wofford won the special special election, election, but then he lost the next time out to, I forget, Schweiger? No, keep going. My friend. <laughs> Your friend. Rick Santorum. Oh, Rick Santorum. All right. See how quickly we forget Rick Santorum. <laughs> well,
1: Santorum had a great relationship with WKOK. Okay. He loved to talk to us and call us and visited here and uh, brought Washington Post reporters here one time. So he was very open with us. So he always appreciated that.
3: Well, that's nice. I'm yes. glad he did so, something. To uh,
1: even though I didn't agree with him. But at the time, our only program to interview him was leaders and lawmakers, which was 100% down the middle objective. So you know, we just ask all the good questions we could could and say, uh, critics say this or that, but um, he... but, uh, yeah, he was uh, well-known here. All right, 1-800, thank you for the information. I do appreciate that. Yeah, uh, there are races where individuals' office holders have to be replaced by somebody their own party, but uh, U.S. senator from Pennsylvania uh,
3: is not one of them. Well, the story that I was making reference to is Biden's lies and outright fabrications are constantly dismissed, downplayed, and softened by the media. And they point out that the New York Times, uh, most recently evidenced by the euphemism Filled New York Times report that referred to outright fabrications and lies as folklore stories, with factual edges shaved off. The Times finally discovered <laughs> well, Biden. That's an editorial <laughs> remark, not a. That was written in the story. The Times on. finally discovered Biden's well, trouble with the truth. Opinion. Well, they find discovered his trouble with the truth on Tuesday, but they've been widely mocked for using mealy-mouthed language in their report. The Times noted that Biden has lied about being raised in the Puerto Rican community at home as academic record, his life story, being arrested when protesting civil rights, being arrested in South Africa, pinning a silver star and a Navy captain, and even the timeline when he rode on Amtrak to visit his sick mother, among other things. He's told other unbelievable stories that the Times failed to mention, such as the claim he confronted a gang leader named Corn Pop in the late 1960s. Uh, I'm not downplaying it. I just don't think it's that big a deal. We shouldn't pay But it's
1: a big deal when, when Donald Trump lies. <laughs> well... <laughs> well, I I upplay those lies but I downplay Biden's lies. It's
3: it's human nature it's to what lie? <laughs> <laughs> no, to uh, to downplay somebody's lies you don't like yeah, or down- you like and up uplift lies you do or exactly. from people you don't like.
1: Exactly. That's what makes on the mark <laughs> on the mark. Is, uh you. You downplay or disagree with opinions. Well, now the
3: latest one is claiming his son Bo lost his life in Iraq. Well, I mean, obviously,
1: I he misspoke. I mean, that's obviously. But not here's true.
3: one that might get your even your blood
1: boiling. I, I consider I sincerely <laughs> doubt it. I downplay these. Remember. All right. All right. right. Joe has another minor. Incident. I do.
3: Virginia State Senate candidate Tina Ramirez, a Republican, condemned a liberal journalist who called child protective services on her over a tweet celebrating Columbus Day. In an exclusive statement to the Fox News people, the online spat began when David Levitt, a self-described award-winning multimedia journalist with bylines for CBS, AXS, Yahoo, and Examiner, took issue with Ramirez's tweet for Columbus Day. She tweeted, I teach my daughter real American history. I refuse to join the radical left's campaign to erase history. Responding, Levitt shot back, why are you celebrating torture, rape, murder, and enslavement? He then encouraged his more than 300,000 followers. Can someone please call Child Care Services on Tina Ramirez, who's teaching her child to be a racist? Oh, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> the so-called and I'm sure half of them did, because they're <laughs> no, all lemmings. Because of his what he tweeted out, there was a 45-minute delay in calls to the hotline reporting child abuse in Virginia, and he he said then that that was a terrible thing. That what if people were abused? Well, he's the one who was responsible for tying up the line for 45 minutes. Right. So do you believe that, that Columbus Day is that bad? Well, it's like Alex Jones, you know, encouraging his followers to Yeah, harass that was pathetic. And I, I hope he winds up losing everything. Well, that was horrible. Lost,
1: he was only fined a billion
3: dollars yesterday. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> he can't possibly have that much money. Uh, I'm sure that won't hold up on appeal, but I'm sure he'll get some large amount of judgment against well, him. I know who this came from just because of the, the, the first two words. Mark, Really?
1: <laughs> That's Stan, I'm sure. I don't have any way to track it, but I don't think so. Or I think so. Is it Mark, really? Only conservatives on the U.S. Supreme Court are political? The progressive liberals are never political? Don't make me laugh. Yeah, that's got to be standard. Well, that's a good point. Right. Well, no, they're all. I didn't mean to say that just conservatives are political. It's. I, I'm well aware that the court swings back and forth. It's like driving a uh, an ocean liner. You know, it's very hard to steer. So if you want to change the political political bent of the court, you got to get somebody of the opposite political party in well, presidency look, for 12 years.
3: Look at it this way: the state, the house, swings every two years, whichever way the country's leaning. It either swings to the conservative side or the liberal side, sometimes in the middle. You I mean, mean the U.S. House? The U.S. House, right, because that's the way it's set up. The Senate takes a little longer to move. You know, it doesn't quite quite flip as fast. And the Supreme Court, because of the way they're put in there, is the slowest of them all to respond to the current public mood. But suppose all we did was have a government that was responsive to whatever people wanted right now. No long-range thought, just give right. them what they want
1: now. Well, I think the irritating thing is people think majority rules in the U.S. And just the opposite is true. Minorities rule most things around here and in our U.S. and at the state and federal level. 1-800-795-9565. We'll take stand before the quickie break. Go ahead, sir. You're on the mark. Thanks for calling. Was I right? Did you send that uh, text? Of course you're right. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, I just love that. Mark, really? That's one of your good phrases. I appreciate that. Good morning.
6: Good morning. Uh, Did you all hear about the the Pfizer executive over in the EU when she was giving testimony uh, to whatever the governmental organization is over there? I don't know what it is. But it was EU. And and, and, uh, uh, a member from, I think it was Belgium, questioned her about whether or not Pfizer tested the vaccine as to whether it would stop transmission. And you know what her answer was, right?
1: Which she should say it won't stop transmission.
6: Right, and she did. Well, no, he asked her if they tested for it, whether it would or wouldn't. And she said no, because they had to work at the speed of science to get it into the marketplace. What is the speed of science?
3: Well, apparently it's pretty fast when it comes to um, <laughs> a <laughs> yeah, vaccine. Have, well,
6: they, they obviously
3: tested I mean, it. President President Trump is the one who said, what do you call it, op- Operation Warp Speed?
6: Oh, yeah, and I understand all that. But they were supposed to, you would think they would have tested it because they were telling us it would stop the spread, weren't they? They were telling of... us that if you get the vaccine, you cannot spread it to another person. No, I don't think if that's... you catch the COVID. I'm not no, certain you, that's Biden? what they said.
3: I'm not certain that's what they said. They said that you won't get it, or right, the you likelihood that not, you won't get it. No, which is...
6: they said it wouldn't. you could not spread it to another person. Those, There's plenty of clips of that, them saying that. Who's them? They never the... tested, well, Pfizer people, the government people, we're talking Biden and those, they said it. Yeah, more than it was, one
1: know, so it was trump in his last month in office and it was biden for about a year and a half
6: right and and i you know i can give the government the uh, political officials a pa- sort of a pass on it because they're going by what their experts supposedly told them which would be the cdc and the, uh, who makes the, the determination FDA. whether it could be used, uh, used fda correct
3: right mm-hmm. the fda
6: okay so why didn't the FDA ask those questions will it stop people from spreading it if they get it if they get the vaccine but let's say they it did, didn't
3: let's say it didn't stop spread but it did keep people from getting it who were at risk you're saying it's still not <laughs> worth doing All right, one but, quick, but, it
6: did, but it didn't keep people from getting it
3: one of our listeners
1: sends me a note says initially the vaccine did help prevent the spread of the disease when the disease was more. <laughs> Virulent, I guess they try to say. Yes. Well, it doesn't have an R or an know? L in it. They but didn't anyway,
6: test for it.
1: But uh, well, probably just noted that from the, the the probably the president whoever else said it. Fauci probably got it from after it was distributed. They could see that it wasn't spreading as fast, so they probably thought it wasn't. Um, you know, <laughs> <it> wasn't was. <laughs> we blocking were fed the, the line.
6: Disease. It will stop the spread, but they never tested it. So how could they know that? Never tested for it, and the FDA approved its use, and and we were all told it will stop the spread. So once again, they've been lying through their teeth about it. Correct.
1: Well, I don't. well they don't say that anymore. Well, Biden might. He's probably a one oh, in the anymore, way.
6: anymore, Mark? It's it's irrelevant, relevant whether they say it now or not. It's when they were pushing it and mandating that people get it or lose their jobs. Okay. A lot of people lost their jobs, lost their livelihood, and went into, you know, had other problems because of mandates. And mm-hmm. they were being fed a pile of horse dung about what it would do. Well, that and, if, that if, was and the and and people it? at Pfizer knew it.
3: Horse dung, that was the ivermectin, wasn't it?
6: No, 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 no. That's the horse warmer, horse which warmer. actually has, the CDC says, actually did work.
3: It okay. did. Huh? The CDC said it worked.
6: Yes, you go on our website. There is It has some efficacy if used in the proper time frame, okay? Just like now, the, the, Pfizer has a drug out there that I've seen, heard the ads, that if you get COVID, if you test positive for COVID, if you take this drug within five days of testing or whatever, that you determine that you have COVID, it will prevent you from getting sicker and this, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Same thing that the ivermectin did. Okay, but if you wait till you're in the hospital, ivermectin and, and hydroxychloroquine were useless, gotcha. which we know. Okay? Right, we it's, gotcha. it's, it's the timing of it. Don't So trust we the were government. fed a pile of horse crap because of politi- <laughs> nope. politics, period. We were politics fed and money. Political the, horse the crap. The Pfizers and the Moderners got filthy rich.
1: We were fed a pile of horse crap, but we weren't able to take horse medicine. And that's wrong. That's wrong. You're right. That is
6: true. And, that, and that's very true.
1: That's back. Backwards. And, and
6: besides, the ivermectin is not a horse medicine. It's used for horses, but it's also used by humans all around the world. Okay?
1: Yeah. we talked so about this. So there,
6: there, is a, there is a human uh, dosage for it.
1: Right. Always has been.
6: So. That's right. There always has been. But of course, people were spreading. Oh, it's the horsewormer stuff. Now, if you went to the local tractor supply and you bought a tube of the horsewormer stuff and you took took it without the proper dosage, yeah, that might kill you. Which <laughs> is any of the other. <laughs> but you wouldn't have worms. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you wouldn't have also, worms, though, for yeah, a long time. You wouldn't time. have worms. Well, so you right. might not have any worms, but you might also be dead. But they also sell pen- penicillin in TSC. And if you take the proper dosage of that, because you can get penicillin in the hospital, correct?
3: Yes. Same well.
6: stuff. So it works across the board. It's all in dosage. All right.
1: Thank you so much, Stan. Thanks for calling so in,
6: I, I'm tired of being lied to by these people, forcing people to go do things against their will well, with here. no good
1: effects. You're right to be skeptical. And
6: in some basis, bad effects.
1: Thank you, sir. Tell, tired of the horse Have a crap. good one. Right. Right. Thank Thanks. you so much. Alright, one 800 Quickie break. We'll be right back. we got three, uh, two lines lit, two big emails to read. We're going to put all that stuff on the radio shortly. All right. One of our good listeners on the topic of of Beau Biden said post 9-11 veterans who deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan and elsewhere suffer from geoblastoma or brain cancer at a rate 26 percent higher than that found in the general population, according to calculations based on Department of Veterans Affairs and National Institutes of Health data. And then we looked up uh, another uh, article about that indicates that burn pits may be a factor or exposure to jet fuel, depleted uranium and many other hazards in the U.S. military could be a factor. I don't
3: believe they have a... Biden didn't discuss what killed his son. He said he died in Iraq. Well, what he really meant was what? Oh, now we're doing what the media does. We're correcting it. We're assuming no, that we is know what he No, this is your thing, what he should have said. This is your game. <laughs> no, it's not. You, I'm not, you, you I'm do, do this, not this all the time, him. what he should have said. What should he have said? He should have said... He shouldn't have said anything, because what he said was a lie. Okay, so he should have, well, what could have been the truth related to this? His son
1: may have died from a disease well, possibly I don't know. connected what, to his military service. What's the service.
3: context of the speech? What was
1: he delivering? Oh, God. You don't bring the bad parts. You don't bring the real parts. No, well, you you'd ignore the real parts and <laughs> I'm focus listening. I on said, the good parts. I said he misspoke. It's obviously not true. <laughs> okay. Yeah, boy. Mike, you're on the mark.
7: Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry I missed uh, getting in on the conversation with the political science teacher. I would uh, love to ask her what she thought about ranked choice voting that's starting to be implemented in uh, blue 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 areas of the country. It's basically a in my mind it's a, another leftist tactic to that wasn't try her. To manip-
3: Mike that wasn't Are her it? area of expertise her expertise was the Supreme Court and that's what our conversation oh. focused on
7: oh well the supreme I'm sure that ranked choice voting will go to the Supreme Court so she probably ought to get boned well, up I think it that. already has. I think has it's it? already been tested I don't think so okay. I mean uh, it's, I believe certain. it started in New York City. And uh, I don't think anything got out of New York City, the Supreme Court, but I could be wrong. But hey, the real reason I called today was to talk about uh, heating over the winter real quickly and uh you know we we got a little bit of good news this morning the transitory inflation that we've had the last couple of years came in at under 10% i think it was an increase of about 0.5 up to 8.6 or something like that and uh so that's that's really serious stuff there you know your dollar right now today is worth uh, you know over 8% less than it was last year at this time, but they're going to announce a big social security raise for some of us, and I guess that is a good news. So anyway, well, thank, thank God, crisis. thank God,
3: thank God, Joe Biden passed the De- uh, the uh, Re- Inflation Reduction Act, or we'd be in real trouble right now.
7: <laughs> it, exactly, and when you when you drill down on the Inflation Reduction Act, at best, it will just keep inflation where it is. And at worst it's going to cause it to go up and that's most likely the case that's where we're at at (laughs) worst (laughs) right now as far as uh electric rates and again i'm not going to advise anybody on what i think they should do if they get you know if they're heating their house with electricity like i am uh i had to make a choice and i i decided to do something i picked a a choice where i would have to pay 25 dollars a month to buy electricity from this provider and that sounds kind of stupid but what happens is the price that I pay per kilowatt, that like the first month of my contract, I'm gonna actually pay a little more than the price that they're offering because I'm paying this 25. But then once we get into uh, November, December, January, and February, I'll be using enough electricity that that $25 a month when put in to what I'm actually gonna pay per kilowatt hour is gonna make it less than I would get if I stayed with PPL. And, and, and I, I really do believe, especially if you're on gas, because gas is going to be, if you're heating with gas, that's going to be the worst of uh, any of the heating choices for this coming winter. And I, I think this is a topic that people haven't been, you know, they know it's coming, but we're not hearing the media push any narratives about how bad it's going to be and, you know, the actions that people need to take right now to, to try to minimize how much they're going to spend for heating their homes this winter. So I just, uh, if you're older like me, and you you know you're on a fixed income, and you you know you know your heating bill's going to come high, and you're kind of apprehensive about looking for electric contracts for the winter months. You really need to talk to somebody that has a handle on it and educate yourself because the truth of the matter is when I selected my choice from a company in Texas, the woman I asked her a question about their they you know they have like a prospectus how much you're going to be paying per month and based on your kilowatts. She really, She's the person that's supposed to know. She didn't really know. And then I looked at it closer and got some help, and I figured out exactly what it was. And then, you know, I, I have to give her some respect because she called me back the next day and said, hey, I was uncomfortable with the answer that I gave you about how much you'd be paying. And I talked to my boss, and I got it straight, and this is the way it is, which turned out to be the way I was advised it was by somebody who knows more about math than me. So the only the, the, the point of my message is this understand that electric bills are going to be higher this year for most people than they were last winter, regardless of whether we have a mild winter or not. And if you're using mainly electricity to heat your home, you know, baseboard, uh, heat pumps and things like that, you really need to kind of take a look at trying to minimize if you really need to. And that's all I have to say about that.
1: Um, uh, thank you and I think uh, uh, looking up in Wikipedia under ranked choice voting it has been uh, rejected in one emergency appeal from one state in one case it hasn't been taken up by the entire Supreme Court it has been upheld by state Supreme courts and it's being used in 20 some states for different levels and just one emergency appeal to the US Supreme Court was rebuffed upholding the use of uh, ranked choice voting in a particular race it hasn't sort of been blanket tested so uh, no broad tests at the U.S. Supreme Court yet for ranked choice voting. So thank you, sir. Mike, thanks for checking in. Okay, I got to hit the break. I'll be right back. We'll take more comers, though. We started out with. uh, Can I come
3: back, too? You said you'd be right back. Am I allowed to come back, too? Um, Are you going to behave? No. Are you going to figure out what Biden should have said? Yep. Okay. Well, then you can stay.
1: Professor Merrill was here from Susquehanna University talking about the U.S. Supreme Court, that a political bent is just the way life is. Get it we're used to it. Uh, President Biden lying when talking about his son, Beau. Joe's pretty upset about this. And uh, let's see. The COVID vaccine and ivermectin have been brought up in ranked choice voting on our topics. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at on the market. At wkok.com and text us at seven zero two three six.
3: All right, Joe, you gotta read some stuff here. Okay, uh, one on, of our email, one of our texter says your guest. Th- <laughs> I gotta wait till Mark's done moving it around. Your guest this morning was excellent. I thought she gave some great insight into the court. Truly and very interesting segment. Thank you. Well, we're happy to do that's that. Not but- for, that's not a text from Stan. <laughs> oh, I thought that was you writing us. No, I didn't write. All that. right, people either freeze or starve this winter, possibly both, because of failed democratic politics can't argue with that one wouldn't drawing voting districts along racial lines to make black districts to be a vi- be a violation of the voting rights act also no well, no that's been
1: gutted that section she said's been gutted that required racial equity at the polls okay and the last one we already read okay that puts us to the telephone go ahead uh, sir you're on the mark
8: hey good morning you know this covid-19 thing right now The military, it's up in the air, where them people that would, didn't want to refuse to take the jab, it's still up in the air where they're going to be discharged. I know that there's 1,500 National Guard, and a lot of them were down in Florida helping out, and they didn't take the jab, but they were saving lives and that the government may end their military career for that reason and all over the country there's at least twenty two thousand military people didn't take the jab and they, they may have their military career ended and this is nothing but politics the government wants. To, is showing you, trying to show you, you better listen to us. We're much smarter than you are. Yeah, but what and about now, the
1: armies based on rank and command and following orders?
8: And now we know the <laughs> JAP don't answer that work. And we know it, it It doesn't keep you from getting COVID-19, and people still die They get the jab from COVID-19. So... Why are they doing that? Can you think of any reason other than politics, the government's big hand trying to show you who's boss?
1: Yeah, trying to protect people's health. Yeah, I don't know, maybe stop a pandemic or something like that.
8: We just just got done talking, Stan, and I say it all the time. It didn't stop anything. It's still... Covid nineteen's with us, and like Stan said, it wasn't tested. And the new, they have a new booster, wasn't tested either. They admitted it.
3: Who admitted uh, it? Who admitted the new booster wasn't tested?
8: One of the people that worked for Pfizer. the CDC, talking about the it was Pfizer. on. It was on one of the. It was on. I can't remember the which program it was on. That might have been no, no. on the Sunday show,
3: this week or last,
8: but I remember them saying it's never been tested except on laboratory rats.
3: Now, are you talking about the new booster for Omicron, or are you talking about the original one where the now, lady said it didn't work? It.
8: I'm talking about the now the new one, the new booster.
3: All right, well, that has been tested.
8: Yeah, on laboratory rats. Never a human it's oh, never yes, been it has. tested in the human <laughs> no. population. No,
3: they don't just give it to a million no, people. They don't without just give testing. it to rats. Yeah,
8: it, you you check it out. It's never been tested on Well the, you you
3: are the one that's making that assertion, so tell us where you saw that.
8: I can I told you it was on one of the I can't remember which show it it's was probably on. Probably Fox.
1: Probably Fox. It's a false
3: statement. Yeah, I, I yeah they, don't you, no, they don't release drugs without testing. No, they don't. Here's a drug and see what happens. But
8: anyway, you're just supposed to line up and take it Mm -hmm. just because they tell you, as as Stan said, we were told by even Fauci in the beginning, it's going to, you take this, you won't spread it, you won't get it but later they had to modify their statement (laughs) because we did get it. You
1: will get it, you will spread it, but you won't get it as bad, which is hard to prove a negative, so you're you're lost no matter what.
8: Yeah, you're gonna get it, and ivermectin was used, I, I don't remember the countries either, so you'll have to take my word, but it was used in some countries more effective, far more effective, than here in the United, than our method in the United States by telling everybody to get the jab. There were places barely got any, they eliminated it. And let's remember our Amish and Mennonite friends, they didn't panic and they didn't have no great big outburst of this COVID-19. Yeah, it went through their community They took it, now they're out of it. I remember walking, I do a lot of it, and all during the pandemic, the schools were still having their Amish schools were there, the kids were playing like normal. Hey, Dan. They didn't shut anything down. Dan, I'm
3: just looking at the CDC's website, they say the vaccine, the new one, has been tested on humans. Yeah. Well. So I, wherever you got that information, it's wrong. Will
8: you believe everything they tell you? Well, you
3: believe what they're telling you on some other obscure source you can't name?
8: I like I, I, they have to I it's a, a good source, but I, do, I I I don't I don't remember it. I I, don't, I do remember hearing it, but I can't remember where. Okay. If I hear it again, I'll tell you the source. Who I listened to so many places could have been on CBN. Christian Broadcast Network. Okay. Well,
3: you believe them, They're but that. you don't believe the CDC, right?
8: Well, a source I've, you can't remember. You believe. Of telling us things that were supposed to be true that didn't
3: happen. Would you believe everything they told you? <laughs> No, but I have no reason to doubt that they tested it on humans because it doesn't make sense just to test it on lab rats. Yeah, we came up with this new drug. Just give it to Dan, and we'll see what happens. No testing. Yeah, that's
8: the idea of it. (laughs) Right. take it because your your government tells you this is going to work. You you do it, you be a good little citizen. Mm -hmm. You line up, and you'll be taken care of. Yet, to this day... It hasn't. It hasn't stopped. If you die, in fact, it's worse. And, and people that didn't take it aren't getting it. Like the Amish and Mennonite friends we have in this area, we have a lot of them, and they didn't fall for the line How about that? Kay. They didn't buy the propaganda that we were giving out here, day in and day out still getting the propaganda day in day out get your booster how many how many has it been now is it up to five jabs so far
3: that's uh, that's right you got that and right if yep.
8: it would have been a true vaccine yeah i'm getting my like fifth they jab said next it month was, it would have stopped it hey all right we gotta polio hit the road dan. vaccine was a vaccine
1: dan we have to hit the
3: road but thank you here's so much here's another one yep. you won't believe <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just waiting for it to come up on my screen. Fact-checked Amish communities have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Claims on social media that the Amish population has not been affected by COVID-19 are false. Ooh, Such claims have been used to suggest the vaccines are futile. One graphic shared widely on Instagram and Facebook reads, Remember the virus that wiped out the entire Amish community because they don't vaccinate their children? Yeah, me neither. Examples of the posts can be found at different places on the web. Uh, you know, similar posts uh, were also shared widely in uh, September of 2020. The All Amish right, enough, people? Enough, enough. All Obviously, right.
1: that's fake. Another listener sends us a note, says, Mark, yes, the military works by authority of rank and following orders, but following unlawful orders has never kept followers from disobeying those orders. Uh, we have two great email, no, three great emails and a great caller waiting, so we're going to hit the break, and we'll be right back.
4: There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technology
3: Uh, pick whenever, whichever one is the okay. best. Okay. I'm not all, at all secure in believing the Republicans have a slam dunk with this election. 2020 destroyed many Americans' trust in the system. If Republicans take the majority, I personally believe the so-called deep state will subvert conservative initiatives at every opportunity. Is the deep state just Democrat?
1: Chris, oh, finish your cough. Is the deep state just Democrat? or is I it, don't
3: know. Is well, it, I think probably, Is it bipartisan? There are swamp dwellers of every stripe there.
5: Well, I think uh, Dan's nameless source is at least as good as the Book of Revelations.
1: Okay, you're right.
5: And agrochloroquine chlor- is probably as good as some of Dr. Oz's medicine.
1: <laughs> a fat burner.
3: This pill is but, a fat
5: uh, burner. But, uh, yeah, and Ivervectin, I looked it up, and the latest thing I found was uh, February 22nd. February uh, of 2022, uh they were still saying it had it, ivervectin did no good in treating covid or preventing covid
1: but well, that's a lie
5: well that's on the i mean uh, stan claimed it was on the cdc site so i couldn't find it so if he could get the quote from a more recent one than that i'd like to know about it
1: okay Tomorrow, John Shipman's going to be here, so you get to argue him about government too. So get excited.
5: Yeah, well, you know, it's sort of a fact-free zone these days. Uh, it, you know, if uh, Trump convinced people that uh, he was actually investigating whether whether uh, Obama was born in Hawaii and that he he was finding out great things and wonderful things. That's going to show that, and uh, he never even hired a private detective to do it, of course. But they believe it. They believed it then, and he's made them believe every er, a lot of things in the fact-free territory. And the only facts they recognize are facts that contradict it. And mm-hmm. that's sort of the world we're in now. I hope they're, uh, they can watch uh, the hearings today and. Uh, they'll be convinced that uh, the election was really stolen because they'll see through all the lies of people testifying under oath and choose people who aren't testifying under oath and uh, in their political interest instead because obviously the latter's true and the former's false. (laughs) That's the world, the right wing and the conservative and the Republicans who are MAGA people. That's the world they live in.
1: And how the and I think Service it's a terrifying it world to
5: live in. And I think uh, we're all going to be hurt by it.
3: You're happier in Joe Biden's world of lies, huh?
5: Well, Joe, uh, a lot of Vietnam veterans lost their life in Vietnam, even though they didn't die there.
1: They got diseases and ailments from there, you mean?
5: Yes. Okay. And right. mental conditions and problems with the rest of their lives.
1: Well, it's a deliberate, baseless lie. I don't know if that's what
5: talking about, or whether he was just speaking or uh, out is behind. I have no idea <laughs> what the
1: latter, but that's just me. Yeah, I think the latter. But uh,
5: they, I know you guys want to believe one thing and are going to ignore the other.
1: Hey, I'm totally objective here.
5: But if you, uh, you know, if your son died of a disease that 26% more people got who... Uh, were exposed to things in Iraq, I would imagine you might think he lost
3: his life well, in uh, Iraq. Unfortunately, I've lost a friend to that disease, and I know that you can't always pinpoint where it came from, so oh, it could have can easily have come all. from you here. Oh,
5: at all, for the most part. Yes, I agree with that.
3: Okay, so it could have come from here in the United States. But his yes, assertion was have. he lost his life in Iraq. I he mean, didn't... there
5: are a lot of chemicals in Delaware. <laughs> yeah, there are, <laughs> considering, I who,
3: that. considering who's headquartered there. And yes. Hispanics. Maybe he got it from Hispanics. He was in uh, the Hispanic section of Scranton Wilkes-Barre. I
5: can see how a father might uh, feel that in his heart. And he might not be wrong.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. All right, Chris, anything else?
5: Yeah, enjoy the
1: hearing. All right, you two will watch them today. Yeah, we'll see what the Secret Service lied about. Hey, I want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street, Sunbury, Routes 11 and 15, hum- Hummel's Wharf. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. They're looking for some new folks. They're looking for awesome technicians or entry-level people, career changers, folks who want to work in the front office, folks who want to sell, folks who want to fix, folks who want to align, folks who want to paint. They got anything for loafers? Uh, I could do that. No. Uh, No, but here it says if you work at the front desk in the quick lane, you can wear loafers. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Sunbury Motor Company, talking about the Hyundai Kona in particular, 40,000 bucks, 28 miles to the gallon on average, fantastic vehicle, you can order one up, very reliable, says Consumer Report. And I'll sure. see you Monday, buddy. Yep, we'll see you. Enjoy your retirement life in weekend. I'll John do Shipman's going to be here tomorrow, so we're going to talk about good government for a change. This is WKOK Sunbury. WKOK News time. It is now 10 a.m. Time for the Dan Patrick Show.